0: Locked on Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Pete Zayas. Pete, KCP played well in a game that mattered and hit big shots. He hit the two biggest shots
1: of the whole game. He hit that. (laughs) they had finally tied it at 90, came off of that curl uh, Mm -hmm. for that pull-up jumper to make it 92 to 90. Then that three in transition after Dwight Howard, once again, made an amazing (laughs) defensive play. He, uh, he saved LeBron on that. LeBron was actually looking over at KCP, like yelling instructions and was like, all right, you're not looking. I'm just going to drive. Right. LeBron was like, "Oh crap! You know, LeBron's been really good defensively, but he mm-hmm. he messed up there. Uh, and Dwight rotates over, strips it. You know, big yeah. bucket for KCP. It was a uh, uh, quite a night, man. This
0: team's pretty damn good. It's it's awesome to watch. I I'm having fun watching Laker games. I find myself looking forward to Laker games. We haven't been able to say that in like five years, six years." It's really nourishing,
1: man. It's just like it's so. Who, I don't know how the season ends, but this season being fun, mm-hmm. really, it means a lot to me. You know, yeah. like in just as a fan and as covering the team and spending as much time as both of us do on it, like it's
0: it's really nourishing. It's it's cool to see. Yeah, one of the themes after in in yesterday's show, and then when I did the show with um, Jazz for Silver Screen. One of the themes that like kept popping up was because we're focused a lot on Dwight Howard, you know, and and him like feeling better or or finding his love for the game all over again. And one of the things that I really kind of noticed was that this actually kind of applies to the uh, to to the Laker fans as well, the fan base itself as well, where. You know, Dwight has said, and and Kobe has analyzed with Dwight, that Dwight felt like he lost something that, you know, obviously he really cared deeply about, and now you can kind of see it with how he carries himself out there on the court, and I feel like with this fan base, it didn't quite understand how blessed it was leading Mm -hmm. up to, like, the last seven years or so, and then you go through that, and you're like, God, are we ever going to be that kind of blessed again, and now they for these last 5 games at least and and it appears moving forward hopefully uh health and and luck notwithstanding like so so far it seems like yeah those things are kind of back that that lakers exceptionalism and and the pride that comes with rooting for a good lakers team that stuff is back and i think it's really made this season all the more special it's such a great story, man, with
1: Dwight, because in a yeah. lot of ways, Dwight represents the beginning of the decline to Laker fans. Mm-hmm. Right. They traded for him. They traded by him for him, whose career went down the toilet due to injury right after that. Mm-hmm. But the this is going to be fun. Lakers, we were all hyped up about them. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, Dwight's back was never right. He did not you know, was not in the right place. Mentally he had, he clashed with Kobe and with mm-hmm. Nash and, you know, wasn't setting screens and we were not exactly his biggest fans. Right? right. And the Lakers tried to resign him, but couldn't. And that was the first time the Lakers had Lost like a so star much. player, like slip through their grasp. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And both Dwight and the Lakers went on this like six or seven year, journey through the wilderness and now Dwight is back on the Lakers and finding redemption alongside the Lakers and he's a big reason why the Lakers are finding it. It's yeah. like if you wrote it a script, you know, and submitted it, you'd be like, it's look kinda sappy. Like yeah. he's a little on the nose. Might need to make some make some alterations, but it's what's really happening. And it's it's just super cool.
0: Yeah. Uh I noticed last night that uh Dwight's hair kind of reminds me a little bit of Tina Turner and now I can't unsee it. <laughs> hey Dwight keeps playing like this he can he can show up looking however he wants Um, all right today's show because of the way yesterday's show went Harrison and I just got on here and talked about the game and and the experience of rooting for a fun Lakers team as they beat the Spurs Uh, we fell way behind on questions so we have plenty of stuff to catch up on let's start here with this first one it's a long one and it has to do with Dwight so it's a natural segue Basically, uh next Lakers dynasty is writing whether or not if the Lakers were to start Dwight, you would see some of this kind of energy dissipate from his game. Like do you think it would embolden him to fall back into bad habits? I don't I can understand why Vogel
1: doesn't want to make a change to a lineup that's won five straight games, because even if the starting lineup is not performing great, they were better in last night's game, but even if they're not like... a Kind of screws with your rotation overall, and there's no guarantee that if you start Dwight and put JaVale off the bench that you don't lose a ton of the effectiveness that the bench has had. I, I like the adjustment that Vogel's made in that essentially JaVale is just playing the start of the first quarter and the start of the third quarter. That's it, like old mm-hmm. Andrew Bogut on the Warriors, and that's the proper adjustment to have made. So I, I don't think that making that change would make a difference because the ways in which Dwight is good. It fits really well alongside Anthony Davis and LeBron mm-hmm. in that you just have this really dominant defensive front line, and it allows guys like Avery Bradley, Danny Green, who are no slouches defensively themselves, right. to be aggressive. aggressively, just like, like that five-man group really works well together. They've got some bonkers net rating in like 14 minutes. I think they're a plus 74 or something <laughs> absurd like that. Totally um, sustainable. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But uh, I I don't think you'd lose that, lose anything with putting Dwight in the starting lineup. I just don't expect
0: that change to be made. I think it's more likely that he kind of falls back into bad habits at the end of this season. Mm. Right. I don't. But I think right now and, and I don't even think that that's even necessarily likely. Like he has seen I am this kind of valuable. My teammates love me this much more because of the way that I'm approaching not just basketball, but to everything uh, around the game. Um, I should recognize that this is maybe how I should have been all along, and probably don't have. You know, this is this is not uh, a a forever type of career, right? So why not spend the last. X amount of years of his career approaching the game this way and and being this kind of beloved because, like, that's why Laker fans like him. I wrote this before the season because he kept on doing that whole thing where he was like, you know, I'm just really sorry about the way things ended last time. I felt like I had something to make up for with this fan base, blah, 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 blah. And, and while I understand and, and, you know, respect that attitude, at the end of the day, the only way Laker fans were going to – you know, welcome him back the way that they have was if he helped the Lakers win. And, and I think here in this case, he has helped the Lakers win in this way. So why now go away from some of those habits right now? Just, just by being promoted. Well, and he's getting love for it, too. Yes. You
1: know, like he's getting a ton of positive reinforcement for being exactly the guy that he is, which is like a he's scoring like, you know, six, seven points per game. Mm-hmm. But his impact is felt all over the game. And Laker fans recognize that we've seen enough good basketball mm-hmm. to know how much this means. Do you see Snoop on the broadcast? Yeah. Like <laughs> Snoop was going nuts. And it was for Dwight. It was yeah. every time Dwight would make a play, Snoop would get on his feet like, man, you don't get that anywhere other than the Lakers freaking right. Snoop Dogg on the sideline. like cheering your hustle plays come on man
0: yeah yeah it's been it's been really cool to watch this the only so the only concern i would have and it's not I'm, i'm i share your lack of concern in answering this question but i don't think dwight is this player if you extend his minutes too much further because he's playing with an immense amount of energy and yeah, if we can get this guy at 20 minutes per game for 82 games, that's the challenge, right? Yeah. 6 games is
1: great, 82 games is way better and then add the playoffs on top of that. That's what we want. So that's
0: a really good point. Yeah. Uh, the next or the, the second half of that question was about KCP and the way that he played in that San Antonio game and and basically asking the question why is he such a different player in garbage time? I think this was actually yeah, this was before the San Antonio game happened, so the the question was basically like, why is KCP such a different player there? And it's just it's just a different game. It's like like you go play you go play pickup games at the Y, and it's not going to be the same kind of intensity if you add like referees and an actual scoreboard and all of those things into it into an organized basketball game. It's just a different game, and he seems to thrive more off of a more lackadaisical game. But last night was great.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's true of a lot of guys. There's also pressure elements Mm -hmm. and, you know, knowing that everybody's getting on your case. It's it's the flip side of what Dwight is enjoying, right? Is when you're playing like crap, it is noticed and it is noticed at very loud decibel levels when you play for the Lakers. You can't just go through a five game slump in peace the way that pretty much every role player in the league does and have it not be noticed. So now, KCP's struggles in that respect extend way beyond five games, and there are elements I think that have to do with his his personality and just how comfortable he is that go into that. But it requires a little bit of you know psychoanalysis. Yeah. I don't
0: I don't know the dude well enough to to do that. Yeah, I I I think it's it's uh, good to stay away from that. We don't know him well enough. I also don't think it was necessarily a coincidence that he played really well on the road, away from the fan base. Because like I, I think those NBA players, like they're human beings at the end of the day, and you can kind of hear it. You can hear that kind of hesitation when you're going up to shoot and everybody's like, ooh, you know? And you, you feel everybody else's rear ends <laughs> pucker up. So, of course, <laughs> yours is going to as well. And, and I think getting out there in San Antonio and just being able to focus on, all right, I just got to make this shot. You know, there's not there's there's fewer Laker fans here that are going to respond poorly. If I miss this, I'm just going to let it fly. then I think also he said after the game that he found his love again for basketball, which I found interesting. It felt pretty early uh, in the season for for that kind of a quote. Mm -hmm. But but yeah, I uh, I just think it's it's just one of those things. It's one of those things. It's hard to, to explain.
1: He, he may be a guy who plays better on the road, which is unlike a lot of role players, but mm-hmm. that whole pressure at, at home, you know, that could be something like I thought, you know, he didn't make, much in the way of shots but I thought he defended really well in the Dallas game and mm-hmm. was an important player in that game so yeah he, he just may be comfortable getting away from Staples and this little road trip may
0: get him back on track Yep. alright let's take a quick second here when we come back we're going to talk about a few other pickups that we, we are now in the season the Lakers have a five game winning streak so obviously that means Laker fans are interested in, in future pickups in to the to the roster <laughs> so we'll come back and talk about that It's on one hand, I understand it. I understand this need to like continue to improve, and and that is like the American ideal, right? Expansion at at it uh, understanding or, or ignoring the potential cost. And right now, the cost is like, hey, we should just stop and smell the roses. The Lakers have their first five game winning streak in like six years or something something insane like that. Uh, let's just enjoy this. But but no. Laker fans are interested. So the first question here, we have a couple of these in a row. Uh, This comes from Equine TLC. Uh, Do you think Jamal Crawford would be a good pickup for the Lakers? If so, why do you think he hasn't been picked up yet?
1: No, I don't think Crawford would be a good pickup. He's a guy who can score off of the dribble. But the things that we really like about this team, especially the defensive end of the court, uh, he he doesn't provide enough in the way of like catch and shoot ability. He's a scorer off of the dribble, and that's why he's been in the league for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Nothing against Jamal Crawford; he's just thirty nine years old, and he does not do what this team needs well enough to to warrant a roster spot. So I, I would pass on him, although he he had a great
0: career. Yeah, I mean to answer the second half of the question because I agree with the, your answer for the first. He hasn't been picked up yet because the end comes for everybody. Right. You know, it's just it's his time happened. He made a great uh, career out of his time. And now it's just time to move on to the next phase of his his life.
1: And your your game goes away way before your name does. That's the only reason we're
0: talking about Crawford in the first place. But it's also why none of the NBA teams have picked him up. Mm hmm. All right, uh, UUJR6 writes, Hey, guys, I know the dream buyout is Iggy right now, but let's say he gets traded somewhere else. How would you guys feel if the Lakers targeted uh, guys like Jay? How would you guys feel if the Lakers targeted guys like Crowder, Covington, or maybe even Ariza? Thanks for answering. Love the show. Thanks.
1: I mean, no way Covington's getting bought out. No. Um, he, he He's getting traded if, if he's getting moved. Ariza's a possibility that I think is, like, that's – reasonable and that's fair i i don't watch a ton of kings and mm-hmm. i didn't watch a ton of the wizards last year but he's somebody who every time i've watched him the last few times i've been like he might be kind of crispy like yeah along the similar lines of crawford not quite as old but you know what i have the fondest memories of trevor ariza mm-hmm. with that 2009 title team and the year before as well but he may not be the guy that we remember him being
0: yeah, I I don't watch much like you in, uh Kings basketball, but one thing I do always have is like Tweetdeck is always open. So even while the Lakers are playing, I'll, you know, kind of check in and I follow a few Kings fans and it hasn't been too positive from Kings fans in analyzing his game. And I feel like we got a lot of that last year from from Wizards fans as well.
1: <laughs> They've been so fucking miserable this year yeah. so far, <laughs> Kings fans. It was funny. They are like the baby snake that didn't know how to disperse its venom properly last year because they were like halfway decent, high win, 30 mm-hmm. win total, right? And they're just, you know, them them chests were very much puffed out. Yeah, And then it's like you just... Minded are the in kings, so
0: yeah. Expectations suck. Uh, mm-hmm. Jay Crowder, we, we kind of Luke Walton over him. might too, but <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I hope Geeter isn't listening. Uh, Jay Crowder also was a name that came up there. I think it's also more likely. So the reason these guys get bought out is because the team that they play for is ready to move on from them and isn't going to be able to get anything for that player in a trade. So right. usually you're not looking at incredible players who are available, you know, in, in that kind of a situation. So King I think Crowder would be a very good one though, man. He's he the would. one down the list. He, he he would be an incredible addition. I think it's also more likely he gets traded though. You know, I, just, sure. just like with Higgy, I, I think same thing. Eventually there are teams out there, the Denver Nuggets, the Clippers, Uh, You can go up and down the conference and all throughout the league. There are teams out there that might trade for Iggy just to make it so that the Lakers don't get him. Like you, you gotta like the nuggets to me seem like an example of a team that probably should trade for Andre Iguodala. They Mm -hmm. have way too many guys right now and, and you trade for him. It means the Lakers don't get him. They have the assets to be able to get him uh, without feeling too much pain for the move. Uh, I, I think it's, probably just as likely that he gets traded to denver as it is he gets bought out and joins the lakers yeah
1: i i think that's absolutely fair um i'm curious though like why hasn't an iggy trade happened yet maybe a team like denver that's not started all that great maybe that changes their thought process on it but i I think that ultimately Iggy gets bought out because I think a trade would have happened by now. Although the December fifteenth deadline, when all the guys mm-hmm. who were signed this past offseason can be legally traded, maybe that changes something.
0: Yeah, I, I think the reason he hasn't been traded so far is because a lot of the the cap fodder that you need to to trade for a guy who makes seventeen million dollars, like the, it, the, those guys, literally can't be traded quite yet. So mm-hmm. let's go. Uh, another question here comes from paper tiger jpeg uh hey anthony and pete love the show keep it up thing anyway uh just wanted your opinion on this if the markel Foltz experiment in orlando works out and he moves up to the starting one position i was thinking maybe the lakers could trade for dj augustine since he would be the starting point guard the team really needs who can also space the floor really well i'm on with great
1: it. great idea Great yeah. idea. Um, I, I'd have to look up what Augustine's making. I think it's in the eight to 10 million range. Um, so there may be difficulties in making that, that work, but like a KCP for Augustine trade, maybe you got to give up a pick as well. Cause mm-hmm. you know, got to give Orlando a reason to do that, but maybe a second rounder does that. I, I don't know. Augustine's contract situation but yeah like that's the exact type of small move that lakers should be looking at that's a really good idea
0: yeah i my only thing though is that like i'm not sure orlando would want to do that because they're also vying for the playoffs so like they could win they they're probably the favorites or, or close to the favorites to win that southeast division like jesus how bad is that division it's I haven't bad even i always i always have it sorted by conference when i look up the standings so. yeah it's bad look at it it's like it's atlanta orlando miami and Charlotte. Oof, and the Wizards. <laughs> Man, how, how do we get a division like that? <laughs> that sure, sure as hell would be nice. Uh, so, I yeah, I mean, I, I like the idea. I just don't know if he's going to be available because Orlando probably thinks they're a playoff team. And why sell if you're a playoff team? Yeah. Uh, Quinn Jr. writes, hey, Anthony, love the show and I try to listen daily. I was wondering what you and Pete would think about the Lakers. Well, we already learned about uh, Jamal Crawford. Uh, but they say pineapple on pizza is an abomination. So, Pete, that's your people. So
1: Oh, that, there's an intersect of the pineapple on pizza is bad and the Jamal Crawford folks? Uh-huh. That's uh, your people.
0: Hmm. I may have to do some reconsidering. <laughs> Let's take a quick second. When we come back, we'll keep on answering your questions. All right, we have a request here from Jay Bridges1. Basically, they say that we need to have Matt Moore back on ASAP because he actually has to say nice things about the Lakers. That's kind of fun. (laughs) Uh, I'll probably be skipping that episode. (laughs) What's funny is he was higher on the Lakers heading into the year than like most people. Next question though comes from Huli underscore O. Is it just me, me, or has this team had more dunks this year than the last six years combined? I mean, you, have, you have a front court of Dwight, Davis, and LeBron, um, and then even Travail, like is a dunker. So yeah, but I, I just I think generally speaking, this is one of the more athletic teams that the Lakers have really ever had. Mm-hmm. Bro, that front court's nuts. Like, do
1: we realize what a game changer this version of Dwight is, right? Yeah. Because like, even when we were at our like, oh freaking Dwight Howard, he's the worst over this off season. It was never about his talent, right? Mm-hmm. Like the one thing that could take that away is is his back surgery and age, and he's started to look like he's warming up in terms of explosiveness. Yes. Like he looks better now did than you he see did that
0: three back or four dunk? weeks.
1: Bro. <laughs> and so like that guy with Anthony Davis and a locked in LeBron James, there's never been a front court in the NBA history that's been that athletic yeah. and like that physically dominant. Dwight was physically dominant in his prime, like top three in the NBA, physically dominant. Anthony Davis fits the same description. LeBron James fits the same description, to
0: Put all three of them on the same team, man, that's a problem. They... There was that uh, the Lakers actually got a really cool angle of a pick and roll between well, I think it was more of a handoff, but either way between Dwight and Avery Bradley, and Dwight went up, caught the lob, and caught a body because ja- Jakob Purtle was standing in the wrong place at the wrong time. And while it wasn't obviously the thunderous like armpits at the rim type of dunk that we kind of know Dwight for, he was still elbows above it. You know, he was still way powerful too. it's not
1: just like just kind of daintily throwing it down. It's power on that, too.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, the next play was the put back dunk that, you know, it wasn't the one I was alluding to earlier. The, The play, my favorite play of the game with Dwight was actually when he caught a rebound, landed, didn't hesitate and went right back up and dunked it. Mm-hmm. Those double jumps are tough. Yeah. That's not something that I thought we were getting from this Dwight, to be completely honest, heading into this year. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, again, just like I said the other day when you and I were talking about it, just like I've said on Twitter, ever since it started happening, I'm happy that I was, like, so hilariously wrong about Dwight Howard. It's been, it's been great. It's been really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Girthquake writes, <clears throat> Sup, Pete. Uh, you're awesome, and you give uh, excellent anal- uh, insight on how and why the Lakers should run certain plays. Anthony, you can be annoying sometimes, but you're a great host. Thank you. <laughs> what, what four current NBA players have the worst tattoos? Pretty much a Mount Rushmore for bad tats. Oh, Jesus. I am not the person to
1: ask this. Well, all our- right. I have a weird blind spot for things like that for like, I have no idea what shoes any Laker player wears. I watch these guys constantly. If you ask me like, Oh, is this guy in Nike's or Adidas or, you know, Kobe's Katie's, whatever. (laughs) I have no clue what any of them wear. So just like that sort of stuff,
0: like it's just a blind spot for me. So I'm trying to think of tattoos like over the course of my lifetime, because yeah, I haven't kept up with the tattoo game for, for these damn millennials, but like, the worst tattoo or the one that always threw me off the most was, remember, Kenyon Martin had, like, lips on his neck? Yes. That one always kind of bothered me a little bit. Uh, Jordan Farmar had, like a, like, a crown tattoo, if I remember correctly. No. No. I take that back. I think he had one for his family. Uh, But, yeah, tattoos isn't something that I really keep an eye on. But there's just some that just stand out because of how weird they have. Oh, remember, Oh man, there was a guy who had Abraham Lincoln on his neck. Was that Chris Anderson? No, no. That was uh, he was a Washington bullet back in the day. Uh, and, and like that Gilbert – they might have been the Wizards already, but that Gilbert Arenas, Karan Butler team that kind of gave the the those pr- first time around LeBron James, Cleveland Cavaliers, like they had a fun little rivalry for a little bit. God, coming out of high school, he was uh, compared to Michael Jordan. Larry Hughes or no, no. Felipe Lopez? Deshaun Stevenson. Deshaun Stevenson, yes. Yeah. Yeah. the
1: good old NBA draft.net Deshaun <laughs> Stevenson comparison I tweeted at them a couple of years and look they've been around for ages I, I'm not trying to like get into it with you know other content creators I made a little crack about that comparison and bro I got like three tweets back at me like right away and this is when you know no one knew yeah. or cared about who I was but that, that one stuck with them for a very long time Lord knows we all have our our screw ups when it comes to the draft but yes I always think of NBA draft.net when I think of Deshaun Stevenson.
0: But he, he got a tattoo of, like, Abraham Lincoln on his neck, and that was – just in general, stay away from neck tattoos. I, I, I just think – like, actually, I forget which uh, radio host said it, but if you're getting into a fight with a person in it with a neck tattoo, you're probably losing. Do, do you have any tattoos? I do not. I do not. I've been thinking about – there's, like, a tribal – Orca, one that I've been thinking about putting on my right shoulder, but but I haven't like had, you know followed through with it. I haven't gotten drunk enough. I don't think. Yeah, you?
1: I do. I have one tattoo of my old band's logo (laughs) and it was my drummer's girlfriend had just become a tattoo artist and it was the second tattoo that she had ever given Mm -hmm. and like the the letters were like m and i it was supposed to be m and i on the logo but she made the m really like wide (laughs) and there's a little like dot like to dot the i so you've you've seen it before on my calf yeah but it basically looks like a butt (laughs) pooping a little pellet upside down and i carry that with me for the rest of my life
0: (laughs) my cousin when he was rest in peace by the way to oscar but he uh he was in jail and while he was in jail like the the like hobby that he picked up was doing tattoos so he gets out and he has this friend over and this friend's girlfriend wanted his friend's name across her chest but he spelt his friend's name wrong across her chest. Oh, in a tattoo. no. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, like, that was kind of, like, that was my introduction to the idea of tattoos, and I've just always, like, stayed away just in case. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let's go a couple more questions here. N Moody 30 writes, uh, what do you think of the strategy of putting Anthony Davis on the other side of the court uh, during free throws instead of down on the box contest- contesting four rebounds? Have you noticed that?
1: Uh, I do like that. I think that that's something that most coaches are preferring to do more often is get your rim protector, rim protector, you know, down the court, and you get so few offensive rebounds on those. Although Ad's got that length, he had a great tap back last night that mm-hmm. earned the Lakers an extra possession. But by and large, I think you get more value of, of sending your big back unless it's a late game situation.
0: Yeah, I also think it kind of limits the wear and tear. It's one extra trip down the court that he has to run hard for. Mm. And, you know, when you're at the free throw, when you're in the box like that, usually you're just kind of backing away anyway. And if you are contesting for one, you know, we talked about his poor effort selection, you know. Uh, it's one more. It's one fewer opportunity that he can run in there and and try to jump way higher than he actually probably has to in that situation. So just mm-hmm. just protect him there and and let him get get back down the court. Uh, the Lakers have enough length that they can create those possessions without it having to be Anthony Davis. It's kind of yeah. nice. All right, this is fun talking yeah. about basketball. About a fun team, about a good team, about a likable team. Like that's the other thing with this group is that they're extremely likable. Uh, they're
1: playing hard, man. Yeah, just like play hard every night, and we'll back you.
0: Yeah, it's it's a fun team to really follow. We still have a few more questions to get to, so over the course of the week, we will we will do that as well. Uh, the next time you and I talk, Pete, will be after the Lakers play the Chicago Bulls. Uh, that'll be for tomorrow's game. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's a that's a fun little matchup as well. Uh, I think the Lakers probably should be favored pretty heavily in that one. The Bulls haven't been good this year, Uh, so, so we'll be able to analyze that as well. But for now, have a great rest of your day. Make somebody else's. We'll talk to you tomorrow.